Happy New Year to you. Uh, excited about 2018, see what the Lord has in store for us, and looking forward to another year to do life with Jesus. Hopefully you woke up this morning and realized today God gave you another life, and there's a purpose for your life. He didn't have you allow you and bring you into this day to waste it. He had a purpose for your life. And one of the ways we just boast in his name. Two weeks from today, we are going to kick off our new theme. So I encourage you to mark that on your calendar, show up and worship with us. Uh, we're excited about that new theme and been praying about it and been planning for it. And we'll unveil it uh, in two weeks. Uh, it's been a great week for us, uh, for Ann and I. I uh, exceeded the speed limit with my age, my birthday. I'm past 55 now. Uh, so some would say I've exceeded it a long time ago. Uh, and spent it with my wife at Michigan State, uh, watching the Maryland Terps get crushed by the Spartans, and and enjoyed every second of it. Um, and actually, I did too. It was fun spending time with her, going back to her former stomping grounds. That's where she got saved, Michigan State, uh, when she was a freshman there, and then transferred after serving a year in Mexico City with a missionary, and then came to grace, and I'm glad God brought her to grace. As we look forward, we need to look back. We need to take time to remember what God has done. It's important for us to to remember. Otherwise, we just keep asking and asking and asking, and we forget. And all through the Bible, there are mentions of people remembering. Um, They put up altars and memorials, and the reason they did that was so they could boast in their God. And even today, before we go too far forward, we want to look back. Last year, about this time, I came to you and stood on the stage in that bus that's out in our West Fourier that will be removed in the next couple weeks. I stood and asked you to get off of the bus. I asked you, are you willing to get off the bus and get into the game? I just want you to answer this. You don't need to raise your hand. Did you? Or are you in the same place you were a year ago? Are you in the same place in your walk with God? You're just a year older. Maybe you exceeded the speed limit like I did. Or did you really step out in faith this past year and watch God do things that he's never done in your life? Sometimes we need to remember what he's done so that we know that we can, through his power, do it again. So we just want to give you a snapshot. Like, this is 2017. It's only about this much of 2017. But as we look back, we remember what he has done and we praise his name. Here are some shots from 2017 of God working in you and through us. Take a look at these. I can see the promised land. Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry When my fears like Jericho Build the walls around my soul When my heart is overthrown Your love is my battle cry
can't stop us Nothing now can stand against us When there is no way You are the way You're the God of the impossible Only you back just capture a couple of snapshots of that once again I ask you if you're willing to get off the bus told you a story about coach Kessler basketball coach at Grace College still the coach there and Grace College was down at IU playing IU in a basketball game which an NAIA school against a division one University of Indiana that's a big deal and Coach Kessler looked at his teammates as they were there and ready to walk into IU. They drove under the stadium, got on the bus. Their eyes were glazed but because they had a chance. Little Winona Lake and AIA had their chance to run with the big boys and wanting to do that. So Coach Kessler looked at them before they got off the bus, spoke these words of wisdom. If you don't think you can win, then don't get off the bus. And I said those words to you as I stood in that, that bus last year. And the same words are true today. One by one, they all got off the bus, and they gave it a valiant effort, and they, they played hard and well against IU. And the same for you. In order to see God do great things, you got to get off the bus. You can't remain a spectator and sit on the bus. And the reason that is, is it gives us a chance to see God do amazing things through us, in us, so that we can boast in his name. But we need to remember, and so we need these moments, I would call these faith points in our lives, so that when we face this difficult time again, when, when we watch a family member go through something difficult, when we walk through something difficult, we have what I would say a faith bank built up that we can look back and say, if God did that, then he can do this. And we give him credit for that. And so today, we're going to look back at a group of people who witnessed God do something pretty incredible. But the same God that did that, can do it for us too. Grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 3. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up or open up your mobile device and turn to Joshua chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 1 through 11 this morning. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together out loud? Joshua chapter 3 verses 1 through 11. We need to take time to remember what God has done. Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. Let's read it out loud together. 
early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out for Shittim. By the way, every time I read that one as a kid, I laughed because I got the cuss. Um, I know you're thinking that, so we'll move on. Move on. And went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark, and do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. And he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the the Gergesites, Amorites, Mosquito Bites, and Jebusites. Verse 11. A lot of bites. Then it says it. See the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will come and go into the Jordan ahead of you. You may have a seat. Let's set the context here. This is a huge moment in history. This is a moment that everyone, before we got off the bus, had a chance to get off the bus. This is looking back thousands of years ago when this group of God followers, much like us today, Jesus is alive and well, and most of us have a personal relationship with him. We have a chance, and we had a chance to get off of the bus. But the question is this, look what they had to deal with. Were they willing? Were they able? And why did they get off? Now, set into context for a second this truth. It was flood stage at that moment. And most of them had never been and crossed the river at flood stage. And they must move and not stay on the side. The priest had to step out first in order for the waters to be parted. And if they did, Joshua said, the Lord would do amazing things. There were a lot of conditions as there are for our faith. And we have conditions. God watches us. He wants to see if we believe, not only if we believe, but we're willing to step out. It's when we step out that God does amazing things. The Israelites had a decision to make. Sit and wait or step out in faith and trust. But the problems was this. The priest had to step out first into the flooded Jordan. God literally backed him into a corner. It was advance or retreat, or otherwise you won't get across these flooded waters. For those men, and maybe many of you on the East Coast have witnessed floods, I personally have witnessed some, some, some pretty horrific flood waters in the Potomac River. And some of you have been on our Wild Heart Men's Retreat when we leave on a Thursday and come back on Saturday night. We float down the historic Potomac River, and it's about an hour and a half float. But at one point, right before we dock our canoes, there's a huge bridge that goes from Maryland to West Virginia. It's in Hancock, Maryland. And so we take our canoes under this. At the top of this bridge, the distance to the top is 40 feet 
So normally when we go through, it's about three to four to five feet deep. During the floods in the 70, the flood got so high that literally the water was to the top of the handrail of the bridge, 40 feet in the air. Now, if you've never witnessed a flood like that, it's hard for you to picture, but picture if you can. I did. Houses floating down the river. Trailers that were once on the banks of West Virginia and Maryland. Homes, cars, animals, people floating down the river. Trees, shrubs, everything that was on the banks are now in the water flowing at a speed that would make it very difficult, one, to even float down the river, but to walk across it. I don't think it was much different here. It was 200 feet across the Jordan River. It was at flood stage, which meant shrubs, trees, waves, all kinds of objects floating. So as the Israelites looked at this water, and Joshua is standing there talking to them, and he's looking at these priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant. Now hear me out. Ark of the Covenant, normally, four men would carry this. And they weren't allowed to even touch the Ark of the Covenant because if you touched the Ark of the Covenant, you were instantly killed. So it was difficult just walking on dry ground and keeping your balance and walking. Now Joshua's looking at them and saying, Priest, in order for us to cross, you got to put your feet in the water and carry the Ark of Covenant across flooded waters. Now that would require a ton of faith. Now, sometimes we over, and I'll say this often, we over-spiritualize people of the Bible. think, well, they just had an extra dose of God. And, and they, were, they, were, they were more committed than I am and you are. Maybe so, but hear me out. They had nothing more than what you and I have today. In fact, we have the Holy Spirit that lives in us when we come to Christ, and we have an unfair advantage to someone who doesn't know Christ. We have wisdom that we don't have on our own. We have extra supernatural abilities that we don't have on our own. And there should be a distinct difference in a Christ follower who is born again, saved, and knows Jesus than one that isn't because God lives in us. But these same people who follow God had to cross this water. But the reality is this. You and I will never know what's on the other side of yes until we step out in faith. I want you to think about that for a second. There are many decisions that you'll make in this lifetime. There are decisions to say, no, wait, maybe. But there's only some things that God can teach us on the other side of yes. You see, when we finally step through and we don't let doubt and fear envelop us, we get to the other side of faith. There is this whole new world like, wow, I didn't even know this was even there. I didn't know that God could even do that. I believe, but I've never stepped out. There are only some things God can teach you on the other side of yes. And I pray that we spend our lives on the other side of yes, Lord. Yes, I'll go. Yes, I believe. Yes, I'll step out. No, I won't retreat in fear. So look what the priest did. Look at chapter 3 again in verse 6. Look what it says. It says this, Joshua said to the priest, take off the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So, what's it say? They took it up and went ahead of them. Joshua tells them to stand in the water. And the reality is this, there must be a moment in your life, in my life, and for some of us, we did get off the bus in 2017. But there must be a moment in our faith journeys where we need to make a statement of faith that says, I believe even though I can't see it. 
Every time I go to the Potomac River and I look at that flood line, they actually have it marked on the pillars and columns of the bridge. I stand there and wonder, how in the world did these dudes step out? It, it said as soon as you touch the water and get in the water, they had to get wet. But it wasn't until they said, let's go. They had an opportunity to see God do amazing things. Let me just say this. If it seems like in your life, and it appears like God is not moving and answering, maybe, just maybe, he's waiting for you to move first. But if we move, God can move heaven and earth to join us in that venture. Imagine the conversation amongst these priests. It probably went something like this. Joshua, he's crazy, isn't he? He wants us to go out in that water. See, see, sometimes we think that that they would, no, they're human beings. Same DNA of God. We're created in God's image. We are his by birth, and we're his children by salvation. And so they wondered too. There's Joshua. They knew the stories, and we know Joshua one night. Be bold and courageous, just like Joshua was. But God often chooses our weakest places to do his greatest work. It's when we wonder, can I do that? Is that possible? Am I strong enough, fast enough? How will that happen? It's in when we're at the bottom rung, and there's nothing else that we can do but just trust. It's in the weakest moments that God does his greatest work for us. Now, think about that truth for a second and how true that is. You see, it is daring to go after a dream that is destined to fail unless God intervenes. There always has to be a God piece, and it's worth repeating this. In your personal life, as we lead Grace Community, and as I pray for the future of Grace Community, and we plan, we will often say this. Lord, if you don't show up and you don't do this, then we're going to look really stupid. And Lord, we believe. You see, somehow, if you can plan and figure out everything on your own, you have enough money, you have enough time, you have enough people, you have enough workers, you have, you have enough income, whatever it is, if somehow in your mind we have everything we need, if somehow in your mind you've already jotted out, charted out, planned out everything, and you figured it all out based upon we're going to make this, we're going to earn this, we're going to have this, we got this, we have these people, if somehow that you've chartered that out, listen, that's not faith. That's just saying I'm going to better walk in my own ability and my own resources, and I'm a self-made man and a self-made woman. There must be a piece called the God piece that says, Lord, unless you do this, I'm going to look really stupid. But what a way to go. Seriously, what a way to go. I've often said this. I would rather look stupid for Jesus and not see him come through than never look stupid for Jesus I would rather step out and take a bullet in the head because I believe by faith that that's what God wanted to do. And people would say, boy, he trusted in Jesus Christ. He might have drowned in the middle of the Jordan, but he went down believing. That's the faith that allows us to see God do amazing things. So what do the priests do? Look at chapter 3. Look at verse 12. It says this. Now then, after they walked across, it says, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. God's answer is often found 
in the deep end. <laughs> like It's like, woo, Lord. I don't know if I can make this, but I believe. And sometimes we just have to step out and believe. Watch what happens. Read on with me here. It says this in verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan, it says, is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet, what are the next three words? As soon as. Look at that. Yet, as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from the stream, upstream stopped flowing. It piled up into a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, that, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And then it says this in verse 17. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. They broke camp. They just stepped out. And some of us need to do that. You see, it's more than just saying, I believe in God. Belief leads to faith, and faith leads to action, and action leads to God being glorified because we trusted in him. Many of them and many of you will experience breakthrough when you step out. You see, some of us take on this path and this reality. We wait for perfect conditions, but the reality is if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Listen to what Solomon said. Just listen to this truth. He spoke this many years ago, and it's still true today. He said this in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4. He says, whoever, that's you or me, watches the wind, will not plant. Whoever, could be you or me, looks at the clouds, will not reap. He's saying this. If you're saying, we can't go because it's going to rain. We can't go because there's too much wind, there's too much storm. We can't go because this might happen. We can't go because you might you dry out. He's saying, listen, it's like, it's like people today, it's like the forecast for tomorrow is, is six inches of snow and blowing and 10 below, so we cancel school the night before and nothing happens the next day. You ever been there? God said, we do it too. He said, you can always find something, a reason to say, I can't do it. It's too, too much. This might happen. You'll shoot your eye out. And Solomon says, whoever does that, whoever waits for the wind and says, this could happen, that could happen, will miss out on the opportunity that God has in store for them. Picture them as they step closer. I do. I, you know, I, I, I tell you, I, I love reading the word of God, and I love trying to become one. So I became a priest this week. Like, they had never walked across flood stage nor have you probably. <laughs> Just picture the waves, trees and shrubs, and they wanted to do their job and do it well because you weren't a priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant unless you trusted in Yahweh, God, Jehovah, Elohim, Adonai. And as they began to get closer, 25 feet, 20 feet, 10 feet, and as they stood at the edge of this raging water, trees busting by, splashing water over top of them. The first dudes in the front had to look at one and say, 
Let's do it. You ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. You ready? Let's do it. And it says that they walked to the middle and the water was stopped. Listen, 20 miles upstream. Someone say, why 20 miles? Have you ever seen 40,000 people gathered together? Some of you have been to large gatherings, sporting events where there's 40,000 people. If it's only 200 feet across and you're carrying all your supplies, all your belongings, they had lived out in, in the desert, all of their supplies. One person said this regarding the Israelites. When we lived in Winona Lake while we were in college and seminary, even when the Israelites began in the early days when they crossed the Red Sea, that if you were to line up all the Israelites and all their supplies and all of their animals and all everything they had, and you would just take two lanes from Warsaw to Fort Wayne, from Warsaw to Fort Wayne, roughly 45 miles, that's how long the caravan would have been for the Israelites to cross the Dead Sea. Now picture, going across water 200 feet, it went 20 miles up so that the whole group could go passing through but it wouldn't happen unless the priests were willing to get their feet wet. You see, we have to act as if God is going to answer our requests. And as soon as their feet touched the water upstream, it stopped flowing and built up in a heap. I picture them standing. I just do. I picture them stepping and walking and waters around them and I picture it beginning to separate, and they're like, whoa, dude, see that? That's incredible. And as they stood in the middle, imagine, listen, they're human beings. I just picture them going by and high-fiving the priest. <laughs> like, look at that, look at that, look, look, look. Can you believe it? They would have never experienced that had not they believed that God could come through. You see, there comes a moment when we need to make a statement of faith and says, I believe and I might look a little stupid doing this. I wondered, because they're human beings, I wondered if any of them considered backing out because it didn't happen right away. Or how many left on the bank of the Jordan did what some of us do by saying things like this, the water's too deep. <laughs> What's Joshua thinking now? That dude's nuts. The cost is too high. The risk is too much. And if you don't think you can win, then don't get off the bank. But there were some few, there were a few faithful men and then a whole nation that followed behind them. So why did God do that? Like, what's the purpose? Like, he could have just parted it. I mean, he, he could have held it back. What was the purpose behind that? The purpose behind it is so that we have these stories of faith. We have these, these memorials in our lives that we look at and say, because you and I will face difficult times, and some of you are in it right now. You're in it. And there comes these moments that, that if we're not careful, that we'll, we'll become overwhelmed by it to the point that we don't believe God can come through. And God's saying, look back, look back, look back. Don't you remember? You see, we have to have these stones, these moments where we grab these memorials and say, if God did that, then he can do this. Let me show you. Look what, what, look what God tells them after they've crossed. Look at chapter 4. It says this, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, 
Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan. From right where the priests are standing now. And carry them over with you. And put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder. Now that's a big stone. According to the number of tribes of Israel. To serve, what's it say? As a what? What's the word? Sign among you. In the future, here's why. In the future, when your children ask you, Daddy, Mommy, Grandpa, Great-Grandpa, what? do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel. How long? What's it say? Forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to how long? To this day. Why? So that some group comes along, And they know that's a good spot because they've camped. It's flat ground. And they put up their tent. And they're they're, they're struggling. It's been a hard week, maybe a hard year. Maybe their parents are walking through something difficult. Maybe their marriage is is falling and failing. And maybe they don't know how they can go on. And and they're they're kind of disillusioned. And so they're trying to get away from and and hear from God. And so they set up tent. And then they look out there and there's these 12 boulders that these men had carried and piled up. And someone asked, what are those for? And someone says, you know what? You know what I heard from my great-granddaddy and my great-grandma and their grandma and their grandma and their grandma? That there was this group of people called God's people. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, and there was a time when this water was 8,000 feet deep. Story would be better by then. And, it's, and it was deep. And there was these, these giants of these priests, and they walked across that water. What? They did what? Yeah, but God parted it. And he wants you to know if he can do that, then you know that little situation that you think you can't walk through, he can do that too. We must take time to remember. We need to take these stones of remembrance that have happened in our lives. Some of us just move from request to request to request to request. Lord, thank you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Move on. Next. No, stop. And remember, so that God's power can be shown. Let me show you. Look what else he says. And in verse 20, it says this. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones that had been taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents at Grace Community Church, what do these stones mean? Hey, I'm on a missions trip to Israel. Could you see those stones? What are they there for? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to Jordan, to the Jordan, what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. 
He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is what? What does it say? Powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord, your God. I love what Psalm 71 verse 18 says. And as I age, I love it more because it's what I hope to be and what I hope to leave. Psalm 71, 8, the psalmist said this, 18 said, even when I'm old and gray, and I have a few of those, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. You see, I long one day, when I'm long and gone with Jesus, that maybe there would be some stones of remembrance, stories that, by God's grace, that he's done, in our lives, in my family's life, that maybe our children, Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah, will share with their kids. Say, I remember a time Grandpa. I remember a time that Grandma stepped out in faith and believed. And let me tell you that story. And as they tell that story, these precious grandkids will know that if God did that, then he can do this. That's why God allows us to step out in faith. You see, we need to remember what he has done. Why? Because we're prone to forget it. Why? Because it's a testament to the power of God. Why? Because it encourages the future generations. I love sitting with my parents and more in the past. My dad's with the Lord and my mom's. She lives in the moment and praise God for that. But I used to love to sit with them and hear the stories. Like, how did you guys make it? Yeah, Jimmy, we bought this house for $13,000. Let me tell you how God pride. And when we sold it, we sold it for two hundred and twenty, dollars And we were able to buy this. And, and because of that, we were able to do that. I love hearing that. Jimmy, let me tell you, when you were little, we stepped out in faith. And we trusted God. And I remember just, Mom, just, just tell more stories. Dad, tell Andy, tell more stories. This is my stuff. Just, just talk. I, I want to listen. Why? Because if God did that, then he can do this. And all praise goes to Jesus. So as I look over this past year, every number is a person. And numbers are important to God. If you were to cut me home, I'm a math guy. Our family are math people. Numbers make sense to me. They always have. They in fact, I was looking at my old report cards. I didn't realize business, like business math, 11th grade, I got 100, 100, 100. I should have been in business. And I think, well, I am the business of people. <laughs> but as I look back, numbers are important. They're important to God, too. And so as I was looking back, these numbers that I give you, I just give them to you so we can boast in the Lord. This is what happened because many of you stepped off the bus this past year. And here's just a, a small snapshot, small snapshot of what God did through you here at Grace Community. This past year in 2017, we saw 225 people get baptized. This past year at Grace Community, we saw 450 people trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This past year at Grace, we saw over 900 women and over 900 men, almost 1,000 say, I'm going to go on this journey called training camp and fight club. 
This past year, the largest capital campaign pledged in the history of Grace Community Church, $2.8 million was pledged, and the largest one-time Sunday offering for the building campaign of $500,000. This past year, 34 missions points supported nationally and internationally by Grace Community. This past year, $14,000 given in vouchers for our community hope. Every Thursday, you didn't know this, maybe you know, every single Thursday people come in off the street, we feed them, and then we give them vouchers to a local grocery store that are designated for needs. And we gave out because you gave over $14,000 worth of vouchers to the underprivileged in our community. 76000 was given for orphan care in Cambodia and Thailand. 87000 went for you and I and many of us on short-term missions trips. $102 additional thousand dollars went for mission outreach. $26,000 was spent on local outreach and blitzes and helping our community. $37,000 was given for deacon care of our own here at Grace Community. $132,000, listen to this, in a capital campaign year was given over and above our needs at Grace Community. Ten short-term missions trips were sent out. Costa Rica to New York, Cambodia to Philly, Dominican Republic to Chicago and Thailand. Twenty new small groups ready to launch. Five hundred kids in our high five camp and over 250 of those were not our own at Grace Community. Nine teams felt called and stepped out and said, I feel the call of full-time vocational ministry at Momentum Youth Conference, including our own son, Isaiah. Over 400 kids running through our building as we were the meeting place for the Boys and Girls Club for over a year, almost a year. The Pursuit Group, our 18 to 28-year-olds, growing to the largest gathering ever seen. Adults and children, over 1,000 getting refreshed, refueled at the lodge. Hundreds of personal stories of people getting off the bus. Hundreds of rocks under our foundation outside. You saw the pictures of literally under the concrete as they are under the gym here and as they are under our, our, our second edition praying for the lost people in our community. $37,000 collected in our Christmas offering that went to funeral costs, that went to men living in tents in homeless conditions, that went to special needs, delivered and cared for. $3,763 tip given to the pizza delivery girl at our Fight Club graduation. That was awesome, by the way. One paved entrance to Grace Community Church. (laughs) Our daughter Hannah marrying Johnny DeVries. One more year of life to walk with Jesus, the king of the universe. 21 years for Ann and I to lead Grace Community Church. Why do we need to remember? Because it boosts our faith for what we are facing now. If God did this, then he can do that. So what does this mean for you and me today in 2018? Well, there's another year in front of us. Some of us have kids, and they're looking to us. We're fathers and mothers. They're watching you, and they're saying, Dad, do you believe in Jesus? Mom, do you believe in Jesus? Can God help me through this? We have an opportunity to live out our faith and step out in faith and see God do amazing things because we were willing to look stupid for Jesus. Let me ask you a question. 
Where could you write down right now, I'm looking really stupid for Jesus because I trust him? Are you living in this comfortable place and it's all planned out? Sure, I'm a Christ follower, but where are you stepping out? That's why I say, listen, every Christ follower in this room should have a passport. If you follow Jesus Christ, you should be willing to give an answer to anyone who asks what Peter said. How can you say you're willing if you don't have a passport and ready to go to the other parts of the world? Here's what I would say. This is why this is important. The same God that did this right here has not run out of power. Maybe you are standing at the water's edge, and it's time to get wet. Let me ask you, are you in the same? Some of you are in the same seat you were a year ago. Have you really stepped out in faith, or are you just a year older? You see, if we wait till every detail is worked out, then we could miss out on God coming through. And sometimes God demands we move first before he moves. Trust is a beautiful thing. You see, we will never see God part our Jordan River if our feet are firmly planted on dry ground. Your breakthrough for Jesus could be 200 feet away. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. So what is that step you need to take and act as if God has answered yes? I don't know what it is for you. And it could be something very simple in your mind, but it's huge. Maybe it's hiring the employee for the new venture your company is longing to do. Maybe it's moving money so that you can act fast on a dream home. So that you can bring people in your house and and reach your community for Jesus. Maybe you buy the passport so you can say, I'm ready to go on a missions trip. Maybe you order the shoes for that dance team that you long to be part of to use your gift and skill of dancing before the Lord. Maybe you order shoes for that road race that you keep saying, oh, it hurts too much. I don't have enough time. I'm not worried about my health. And you say, this year I become the fittest vessel for Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit lives in me. Maybe you pick out that ring for the bride-to-be because you know, oh, she loves Jesus, and I'm not wasting my time, and he loves Jesus, and hey, let's do life together and love Jesus together, and let's love each other. Maybe you buy that nameplate for that job you've been praying for so that you can use your resources and your time and your abilities to point people to Jesus. Just get your feet wet. Move. Don't hesitate any longer. And let's take time to remember what God has done. I'll close with this true story. One of our own, Doug Beck, was diagnosed with a tumor on his brain about a year ago. Close friend personal friend, coached baseball with him with Josh and went the whole way through the sports with him and his son and close friend of the family there in our small group. And he was diagnosed with this tumor, so he went, and yes, there was a tumor, and they told him it was inoperable, that they couldn't operate on it. And so on our goals this year, number 26, and some of you see me wear this, and it's a bracelet that I wear, and, and I have it on today. It's a white bracelet, and it has number 26 on it. And it means a lot to me because I continue to pray for my friend, Doug. Number 26, and that number 26 goal is his, 
Watch God perform five miracles that someone can pull away and say, only God can do that. So we've been praying, and you've been praying. Many of you joined in on that venture, and it's been a hard journey for him. It's very difficult. He's trusted God. Even if he said, Lord, even if you don't heal me, I still believe. So he's been in back and forth with chemo and a variety of things, inoperable brain tumor. Just this week, this past week, Doug and Tanya went to the Mayo Clinic, and they took a scan of his brain. And they realized that the tumor had shrunk again, but more importantly, that there was no longer blood flow to that tumor, which means it can never grow again. So why did we tell you that? Here's why we tell you that. So that we can declare that our God is great. And we can boast in his name. The Bible says if you're going to boast, boast in the name of our God. Oh, Lord, may we be the people that are willing to cross the Jordan River at flood stage. May we be the people that are willing to believe that we can cross the Jordan River at flood stage. And may we be the people that have all these stones and memorials gathered so that when our kids ask, Daddy, Mommy, Grandpa, Grandma, Uncle, aunt, brother, sister, what's that for? That we can say that God did this so that their faith can grow too. Lord, all we ask is that you continue to use us. And we ask you, do it again. Do it again in 2018. And may we be the people that witness it, trust, and step out too. In Jesus' name, amen.